Hey everybody, it's Rob from Opposable Thumbs. I just wanted to let you know that this episode with Nigel Poor is totally rockin', despite having nearly every technical difficulty in the book. There have been many technical misadventures, but let's just say I topped it off with dumping a coffee in my laptop right as I finished the edit in Buenos Aires, a city I don't live in, but we made it. The episode lives. It has been super great getting to know Nigel over the past few weeks, and we're excited for you to hear the episode. Apologies for the audio quality. Of course, this happens to us when our guest is the co-host of our very most favorite podcast ever, Hear Hustle. Anyway, on with the episode, and thanks for listening. Here we go. Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Nigel Poor is our guest this episode. Greetings, Nigel. Greetings. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun and run the exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles, and I'm also a designer in Los Angeles. And I'm Taylor Hokinson. Uh, I'm an artist, engineer, DIY enthusiast, Open source evangelist and noted tall person, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. I'm Nigel Poor. I'm an artist. I'm a professor of photography at California State University, Sacramento, and I'm the co-host and co-creator of the prison-based podcast, Ear Hustle. And that's how I first heard about Nigel's work, but then was delighted to discover that there was this whole other, like just the podcast would have been enough for me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Nigel, you have been working with San Quentin um, Prison for quite some time, and I was curious about how that work started for you and sort of how your interest took you in that direction. Yeah, so I've been going into San Quentin Prison since 2011, and I started as a volunteer professor through a program called the Prison University Project, and that's, uh, that's a program where guys can earn an AA degree inside the prison it's you know oh. it's on-site which is really great and as far as i know it's the only one in california that has an on-site degree granting program and it's all taught by volunteer professors from the bay area so i went in and taught a history of photography class for three semesters and that's how i got really hooked into doing more projects in there and from there i started doing a radio project which eventually led to the uh, podcast that's awesome. Is wow, an AA and cool. Associates of Arts, or what does that stand for? Yeah, yes, right, an associate degree. Yeah, like a two-year degree. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there's other there's other educational programs. Most of them are distance learning. So the, what makes the Prison University Project stand out is that it happens inside the prison. And That's cool. Yeah, it's great. I mean, like, you have to take math and science and you know, wow. humanities classes. There's a lot of writing classes. And then I was lucky enough to be able to do a history class. From what I've read, prisoners, I mean, they're just so desperate for things to occupy their minds that when they do take a class, they really, really take that class. Is it, do you think that's generally accurate? Oh, it was my experience. I mean, I had to be really careful when I first started teaching. I was still, you know, I was teaching at my university. And, you know, not all university students want to work hard. And I had to be really <laughs> careful not to go into my class at, at school and be like, you know what, my students in prison... <laughs> <laughs> you guys, man. But yeah, I, I, I had great students inside San Quentin because, mm. yes, they wanted to be there. They were super interested. Um, nobody was forcing them, you know, to do it. And mm-hmm. of course, there's 
there's a lot to do actually inside of San Quentin, but there's still a lot of empty time. And so guys are just very hungry for interaction mm-hmm. and thought and to use, you know, to use their minds, to use their creativity. Because one of the things that I think is terrible about prison is the possibility that people just become fallow. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like a, mm-hmm. they're wasted. I'm not calling them a resource, but they, they can become a wasted potential, I guess is a better way to say it, um, when there's nothing to do. And so when something's presented, most guys in my experience just, you know, soak it up. Yeah, did did you have any uh, connection to prison before you got into this? I, mean, I was interested through my you know, all my work as an artist, thinking about states of being and and how people find meaning and what do we do with this relatively short period of time we have um, on Earth. And I, I'm curious to, like how people survive in kind of cloistered places. And the cloistered place could just be in your mind, like how do you how do you survive in that kind? It, it just in, internally. And then two things happened. Um, I, I got mail delivered to my house from San Quentin that was supposed to go to another house. And, <laughs> and the address was nothing like where I was living. So I was living on San Bruno Avenue and the mail was for you know, an address on, I think it was South Van Ness and there were different zip codes. So there was no connection and it happened three times. And each time it happened, I would deliver the mail to the right house. I never met the person who it was intended for, but I felt like it was this weird calling, like what is happening inside the prison? So that was one thing that happened. And then I heard a story on, on NPR about a prison in Russia called Kresky prison and it was, it's a pretty notorious place, and they were opening it up for tourists as a way to make money. So you could take a tour of the prison, and you'd end up in the shop where you could buy little creations made by the men inside. It sounded so awful, really dastardly, but I was curious to visit a country that thought that was an okay thing to do. And I found myself in, uh, I was going to, to um, Sweden, which isn't that far from St. Petersburg. So I ended up taking the train there. This was in the late 90s, but it was still a little bit difficult to travel there. And when I got to St. Petersburg, I was asking everyone where the prison was and nobody could, would tell me. They acted like they didn't know where it was. And then on the last day, as I was going to the train, it turned out that the prison was right next to the train station. And um, my husband and I walked around and everything was in Cyrillic, so we couldn't read the signs. So we just like went right up to the walls. And there was this guy with his hand sticking out the window and on the ground were all these weird cone-shaped objects. They were about six inches long, rolled up with paper with this brown substance at the end. They were just everywhere, and they were super, I don't know, just strange. So I ended up taking one home, and I started researching it, and it turned out that they were like, um, guys would write notes in them and throw them out the window as a way to communicate oh. with the outside world. They're so beautiful. I should send you a picture of one. Um, yeah, that's cool. So, so I kept that on my desk and I just kept thinking about like communication between the outside and inside world. And I felt like I had these two experiences where something was calling me to, to look a little bit more closely. So that's like, that's what got me interested in prisons, but I didn't want to go in as just a tour. So teaching is what literally got me through the door. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you have a project working with San Quentin as a, as a, as a place or as a community separate from the podcast, right? Called the San Quentin project. Yes. And in a couple of places in your work, just through my experience of it um, on your website only sadly, but um, a lot of the works, even the photographs have like a sense of time. And what I mean by that is like, um, 
you can sort of see time compacted in the in the in the image so whether it's like a handwritten postcard with like tons of text on it so you can kind of imagine the writing process that was involved or through like the found objects and stuff or like the yeah. process of weathering and like you know as an object gets older and older and so and then like san Qu- like a prison and itself is this sort of embodiment of like like time is like so present as a concept yeah what kind of what maybe drew you to san like to working like i as a, i understand like as a as in doing your aa work um or doing your teaching work yeah um at san quentin would be one thing but like as is thinking about it as a site for creativity i was just curious about how you sort of found that working process and sort of how maybe it changed your work or how you found threads of work that you were already doing in, yeah. embodied in the place of san quentin yeah i hope i can answer that's a really good question so yeah time has been a factor or the subject of almost all of my projects, even if it isn't readily apparent, but it is always about right. the, the time and, and how things change and how they don't and how we deal with it. And time inside prison is very different than time out here um, mm. for a lot of reasons. One, it's a very limited, there's a, you know, there's a limited amount of uh, distractions inside. Uh-huh. You know, there's uh-huh. not cell phones, there's not people getting online. Um, and so people are, can be very present. Um, and also time just stretches out in front of you there. So there's not the same kinds of markers that we have on the outside. And it's interesting when I go into work there, I'm usually there eight to 10 hour stretches, often 10 hour stretches. And because I don't have a cell phone, because I'm not looking at email, um, because I'm not talking about things that might distract me on the outside, uh, I noticed that time goes slower in a lot of ways and it feels very encapsulated. So I don't really know what's happening on the outside. You know, like when I, when I come outside, also I've got to catch up on emails and phone calls. So, you know, I, I experienced that in a mini way. So I imagine guys are experiencing that all of the, you know, all of the time. And, and I've, I've talked about it a lot with men inside that their last memory of being on the streets is so potent. And, you know, say they've been inside for 20 years They'll, they'll remember their last day outside, you know, what people were wearing, what music was playing, wow. what were eating, what everything tasted like. And then they'll talk to somebody who was there and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that, you know, that memory isn't so strong anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, things are, are kind of put in amber and quieted down. In a lot wow. of ways. And wow. I like that because it makes you very aware of the moment that you're in, which, you know, that state, that idea of being in the zone that athletes talk about um, yeah. for me is what happens when I'm working really well in my studio. I love that feeling, but of course, as soon as you know, you're in that feeling, you're out of it. And so yes. it's yeah. <laughs> to try to sustain that. And I find that happening a lot when I'm inside the prison. Yeah. So I, I, I imagine a lot of people think it would be incredibly depressing to spend so much time inside a prison, but I find it, um, I, I find it invigorating because oh. the conversations and the kind of the intensity of the interactions. Um, I, I hadn't known your visual work, uh, but I had spent a number of hours listening to your podcast and then I was like, oh, I see threads through the visual work and I was just curious maybe how like how those came together. So thank you. Yeah. I could totally imagine no matter what your experience was like in the prison at the end of the day when you leave, I mean, it must just really, you must be hyper aware of the fact that you can leave and, yeah. you know, walking out into the parking lot and sort of, you, you get to re-enter the world 
multiple times a week, I imagine. And that, yes. that has to, I imagine it's kind of like having, it's like when you're riding your bike and you have a near miss with a car or something, it would be like doing that over and over again. I, 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 yeah. I could, <laughs> oh, yeah. I could imagine. You know, one thing I, I, I don't know if anyone listens to this that spent time in prison, I hope they're not going to think I'm a jerk, but one thing I notice is I do spend a lot of time in prison. So, uh, I don't, I don't spend that much time. You know, I used to spend more time, like say at a coffee shop or walking downtown or, or whatever. But, but honestly, I spend so much time inside that I don't do those things so much anymore. But every once in a while, like on a weekend, I'll go out and get coffee and I'll just sit in a coffee shop and I'll look around and I'll think there's so many colors in here. People are wearing such different clothes. There's all different things happening here. And I kind of just stop and look and kind of marvel at the beauty of everything that's happening around me. Um, because, you know, inside, the, you know, everyone's wearing blue. Um, hmm. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of accessories or, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of monotony in some ways. And that can make it, you know, that can strip away a lot of the superficiality. But there's also something amazing about just being outside and, and yes, reveling in your freedom um, or, or not reveling, maybe just being thankful for it. And, and looking around being like, wow, the world can be a really beautiful place, even if this is a San Francisco coffee shop where the cup of coffee is $5 and you should be irritated. You're just <laughs> about seeing all this free humanity around you. Just based on the work you have on your website, you, you tend not to really hit color a lot, it seems like. That's so funny. I hadn't thought about it. But um, in the last five years, I've wanted so much more color around me. That's very funny. Yeah. You have so much firsthand experience with a situation that just feels very fraught, right? Like it's like like prison as a solution feels very complicated and bad to me. Mm-hmm. But like I do like to imagine change or something. Like and and in some ways, like you're you're a person who's already working to create that change. Do you have moments of hope, or is hope not something you think about anymore? Well, this is probably a very unpopular thing for me to say. Um, uh-huh. I. I need. I think prisons need to exist. I'm not abolitionist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think they change dramatically, and I don't. It's such a huge problem. I don't know how it happens, but I will say that I, I do have hope, and one of for for many reasons. But one is that I see the effects of what happens when volunteers go into a prison and work with people inside, and. San Quentin is fortunate because it's in the Bay Area, so there's a lot of volunteers that go in. There's something like 3,000 people a year that go in there. And so there's this normalization of interaction between inside and outside people. And I think that's the key to changing prisons is there has Mm. to be a normalization and that these long sentences where people are locked away and there's no hope of getting out, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. So I think that that's something that can happen it's not that difficult to make that work. The mm-hmm. other thing is that we, with the podcast Ear Hustle, we've gotten so much feedback um, from all kinds of listeners. And recently there's been a big uptick in people who work at prison and wardens and um, uh, and victims of crime that have been getting in touch with us and talking about how important Ear Hustle is to them. And that gives me hope. So people that you would think on the surface wouldn't care starting to care mm. about it. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're going to be working in the next six months to get your hustle played inside of all of the prisons in California. That's 34 prisons. So oh, you know, cool. population. and that was, I, I had wanted to do that and I had talked to uh, 
some prison officials about it, but the desire to make it happen came from within inside the Department of Corrections. So it means that they're listening and that they care and that they see the value in it. And I was talking to the warden at Pelican Bay uh, actually just yesterday, which is, you know, if you're from California, you know about that prison. It was a, you know, it was a maximum security prison. It was one of the hardest prisons in California. And they're interested in trying to figure out how to do a podcast project and get stories out. So that that really does give me hope. Um, maybe naive, but you got to have hope, right? Uh-huh, right. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Well, I think it also just sometimes I feel a little guilty about the navel gazing I participate in as an artist. And, you know, like, how is this advancing any kind of um, social good or whatever? And so it's really nice that you you do the thing that you're talented at. And in this case, you sort of found your way from photography to podcasting and it doesn't, you like, it's not a complete rejection of your seat in the humanities. And then you're just doing what you know and what you know to be interesting. And then it finds a way to be helpful. I I think that's also really inspiring just as a creative person, you know, completely separate from the prison issue. Well, thank you. I mean, I'm not a very, you'll, note when we start talking about our projects i'm not the most political person and i didn't come into the world thinking about political change um in fact thinking a lot about politics exhausts me so it surprises me that i've ended up doing this but it is kind of as you say it just came out of my own kind of interest in the studio and the other benefit that i really like is i'm very solitary person i i love being alone in the studio and this is the first time i've had to work in a super collaborative way and mm-hmm. i love that. like I've, I've gotten so much joy out of working with other people you know especially erlon my co-host and the co-producer like we created this together and that's that's really great he's you know he he's incarcerated at san quentin he's been inside for 20 years so an unlikely collaborator but a really beautiful one like the, the perfect creative um uh twin for me or something yeah that's cool your your collaborative energy with him is very palpable from, mm-hmm. uh, listening to the podcast you know like it's very real so it, it, and that feels really that energy feels like it really changes how i experience the podcast you know like it's not a sort of anthropological study or something yeah. very removed right like and that yeah that's very powerful that's really that's really cool we should probably switch to projects and and taylor you are up first this week. Ooh, nice. So Audrey's sitting right over here, uh, so I can tell her immediately um, how I score on the creepy meter. Uh, yeah, so go ahead and download uh, the little file I've got. It's a zip folder, and then once you open it, you'll see a file... Uh. I think it's just called uh, website.html or index.html or something like that. So just yep. dub- double click on that, and um, and it should just open up in a browser for you. <laughs> it did. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Aha. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, Nigel, you might be the best person to describe what you're seeing instead of me. Okay. Well, I see... I see an empty desert mm-hmm. and um, with some interesting uh, rock formations. But then as I kind of scroll up, I see incredible maps that look like, um, uh, I don't know where, when they're from, like the 
1400s or the 1300s with all kinds of interesting creatures. Um, and probably, oh, no, it's, it's um, zodiac signs, perhaps. And it says citizen scientist. And then, uh-oh, then there's a guy digging a grave. And as I scroll, there's some beauty is disgusting. Love that. There's some kind of cell that's opening up that looks like um, looks like a navel that you would pull apart. All kinds of interesting little nooks that you could disappear into that are probably very moist. (laughs) 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 There's some um, lovely stones that look very soft that would probably make a really nice noise as you walk over them. And then mealworms. I think those are mealworms. Um, Nigel, are you seeing these <laughs> images as if they were your website? <laughs> well, I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to make it about me. But <laughs> I am. Because <laughs> what I see at the top of the page <laughs> is what looks to be the header for your website. That, <laughs> But Taylor has created this website. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to say that because I was like, what if it's a mistake? And then it sounds like, I think this is my <laughs> website. <laughs> Everything it, it does have your name on the top. That's so funny because I had been on your site and I launched the <laughs> pa- site page and I was like, wait, did something just go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't have to say it. <laughs> and so then what you described looked to be like representative images from projects that you created, but they are not projects that you created is that correct? no no they're not projects i created but they're projects that i'm very interested in <laughs> oh we can click inside the, there is a view the project okay. link if you click through you're just going to wind up on nigel's site uh, uh-huh. to, and arrive at random project links <laughs> <laughs> so the first project is called granting permanence to the ephemeral and i was curious nigel is that a do you have any sense of how Taylor came upon that phrase? I don't. So I was curious if there was a connection for you for that. Oh, well, I, I would say that, um, isn't that what every artist is trying to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Isn't our thought everything is ephemeral and, and we're desperately trying to say time isn't going to take it out? Yes. It's a process to me. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the s- second one is citizen scientist. Well, I was curious. I was curious if Taylor, I'm trying to tease apart perhaps how Taylor came up with these project titles. Well, I, I'm just going to keep going back to like the, these seem yeah. to be statements or um, what's the word? Uh, things that creative people live by, or anyone who's 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 interested in trying mm-hmm. to understand the world around them, right? I, I, I always think, I think a real scientist is this elite person who um, has all this education that I could never, or most people couldn't quite understand. But I love the idea of just regular people, regular citizens being scientists by collecting things and trying to, trying to figure out the world. So manifesto, these are like titles for manifestos. Oh, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Perhaps. Sorry, so I'm flipping, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm flipping back and forth, Nigel, between your website, which I have pretty good familiarity with, and Taylor's to see, because it does, it does look like it could be your website, Nigel, like just from the photos he selected. Totally. And even the titles 
Like there's, I feel like he is in some ways really embodying your style. And that in our challenge, this episode is not my style. You're right. You're right. You're right. Hmm. How do you feel about that? How do I? Do you feel like he's getting close? Like, do you feel like he's biting your style, or do you feel like? (laughs) I well, I I feel like he's um, tapping into the things that all creative people think about. Nigel, sometimes Uh, it's about. Sometimes it is about you. I did. (laughs) (laughs) You can see how nervous I'm getting. My fingers are getting all quickly moving around, (laughs) touching, touching, touching. I like the bug, the bug, the bugs one. Those are mealworms, right? Is that right? They are mealworms, right? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. So the only thing is, like, so when I click on, um, so when I click Mm -hmm. on it, it it doesn't go. It goes off into the same project of mine. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I'll just say right off the top, it's just the it's just this first layer was my contribution. Okay. This this first page. Oh, I see. Yeah, they all link to the same project, which is. Do you have 30 seconds and can you get your fingers dirty? Yep. Yep. Well, I'm um, drawn to all of the images. I like, I like, to see, I like what yeah. I'm, but does that mean that I like myself too much? Right. It's <laughs> like you're putting me in a place of having to be very self-absorbed. <laughs> Nigel, should we, should we pivot to Taylor and force him to explain himself? Can we, so we can hear him talk? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, so I went around and around with this project for sure. And then I got it in my head like, oh, maybe because Nigel's work is new to me, maybe I can like try to research her body of work on the website and then and then copy what I interpret to be her style and make like a fake Nigel Poor project. Mm-hmm. But but part of the challenge with that was that so many of the projects were so labor intensive. Yeah. And so I didn't yes. want to like wait around for 257 flies to die or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I had to find a way to kind of compress that. And then that got me thinking about, well, I could fake it, you know, with Photoshop or something, but that also kind of rejects one of the primary things that I see again and again in her work, which is really just going through the labor and having, you know, the, um, the sort of the mass of words or the mass of organisms or found objects or whatever. Uh, so then I started thinking about just technically, is there a way that I could just completely um, rip off her website? So I, I found this um, little terminal command called wget, and I can um, I can put the instructions for this online. But basically, once you've installed it via Homebrew, you just pull it up and direct it at a website. And you can actually use it to download an entire website, like every single thing that the website has on it, media and links and every page and all that. Uh, so in this case, it just downloaded the top layer, which I limited. Um, and then I could get in there and sort of figure out, um, oh, you know, this little part of the HTML says load this image. So if I just swap that image out, you know, I can kind of take control of parts of the site. Um, yeah, and then my idea was just to go through Nigel's work and to try to uh, make like a list of what I thought the primary themes were. Mm-hmm. And then just to make a bunch of, um, a, a lot of her titles are like they're evocative in that you want to know more about the piece. And so mm-hmm. I felt like mm-hmm. I couldn't just make up titles because without actually having the work or the artist statement to go look at. So I tried instead just to see 
if I could identify what, what I thought were the major themes and then just have those represented by um, images in the format of her literal website. So this is all just the code straight off her website, basically. Um, so there was that technical aspect. And then I just had some fun trying to think about, um, you know, Rob, you know, when you see it, you can say, oh, I, I've just started learning about Nigel's work. And I, I agree that A, B, and C are appropriate, but maybe D isn't. Mm -hmm. And then also mm -hmm. Nigel's in the weird, the awkward position of saying, yes, you've assessed my practice correctly or no, or no, I'd really go a different direction on, on this one. So, um, yeah, so there you have it. Um, can I say something about your Please assessment? do. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It seems so spot on. Um, mm -hmm. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Especially what you, the, the thing you said about labor, that's one of the things I really believe in is labor and what, like what you can learn through repetitive action. Mm -hmm. um, there's sure. on the edge of boredom but isn't boredom. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm very flattered by these, uh, these expressions of what I do. Thank you. It's fun just to spend time with somebody else's. I, I think it's a lot easier to assess somebody else's work than one's own work, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Cause then you don't have to have that self-consciousness. You can just really, you can really live with it and, uh, not think back and say, Oh, I wish I'd, you know, held out for 300 flies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's also a very generous thing to do, right? Because uh, when you make work and you put it out there, you have no idea if it's going to connect with people or if people are going to consider it. So when somebody mm -hmm. does, it's um, a real gift. I was convinced that maybe he had taken the titles from like uh, an artist statement or something of yours because they did feel immediately like relevant to your work, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I like that he just sort of uh, um, sussed them out. Um, like anonymous groups with moments of individuality is like a really, there's definitely like, I can see that in your work, which is really cool. Yeah. And understanding through labor. Yeah. There's like, yeah, he really kind of nailed it. <laughs> so wait a minute, this is a creepy project? Well, just, you know, the extent that I um, quasi hacked your website and was, uh, <laughs> you know, spending it I, I, but i think this is the thing about the academic right is we, we just want somebody to pay attention to us <laughs> you know so like like you said like i'd be i'd be thrilled if somebody you know took the time just to sit with my work and um and quasi stalk me on the internet mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no i think it's cool yeah it's, but if people go to my website is this what they're going to see can it go that far no 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 this is just this is a local copy uh, for you to do with what you will. Oh, I think, I think it's really neat. I do kind of wish that, yeah, someone would go through my site and just make it make it different. You know, like just uh -huh. just take all the work I've made and make it different. Like that would be kind of refreshing. So yeah, cool. <laughs> totally. So uh, Nigel, you uh, traditionally the guest has the middle slot. So shall oh, we take sorry. a look at your uh, your okay. work here? So we're we're looking into a baseball style hat. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. and there are folded pieces of paper, and on those pieces of paper look like um, a number and or letter. Yes, and Sharpie style marker has been written on them and folded up. Yeah. There's between eight and ten uh, total. Yeah, pieces of paper. Right, right. Sort of like a almost like a um, cootie catcher, but with a baseball hat and pieces of paper. It's a remarkably it clean hat. It is clean. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Rob, I'm on number two. 
Me too. Mm-hmm. And someone is reaching into the hat yes. to pull out a piece of paper. Is she? I think she's going to get number six, if I'm not mistaken. Number three has the same, what seems to be the same hand, mm-hmm. pulling out what may be a different piece of paper or maybe the same one, but the pieces look shuffled and flopped around. So I think it's was shaken or moved around, and then a, this is a second piece being pulled. Three, three numbers have been drawn, eight, six, and zero. Yeah. Aha, got it. Aha, eight, six, and zero. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... so six. Whoa. We see a Toyota steering wheel and mm-hmm. dashboard. Yeah, this may be I didn't give you enough information. Yeah. And well, ha- well hang on now. I, this mm-hmm. is mysterious. So we're in a giant, empty, industrial parking lot. Yes, uh, with a fence. Do you think this is perhaps outside of a prison? It is either a prison or some sort of like shipping yard or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it feels it has a very industrial vibe. It could certainly be a prison. Oh, that, is... that fence is not tall enough nor capped with yes. um, anti-climbing technology. Yeah, so I'm going to vote no on the prison. Yeah. I think I've given you a red herring. Aha. Can That's I what I like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. We could we give us at least twenty minutes to stew on this particular <laughs> image before you offer any more any more hat based hints. <laughs> I put another picture in there, but I was like, oh, it's way too easy, so I took it out. So, well, well, Rob, let's just make some guesses. So I'm get I'm assuming that the numbers are going to have some sort of influence on where or perhaps how far we drive the car. What do you think? Oh, I like that approach. Mm-hmm. Eight, six, and zero. Zero would have been a pretty big bummer because it would have been nowhere, <laughs> no distance. <laughs> so maybe, so maybe that's it. Well, well. So assuming that there's ten numbers in there, uh, zero through nine, maybe. Yeah. Um, so then, it it's not a clock face exactly. Uh, so it wouldn't make sense for like cardinal directions. Uh, do you have any thoughts here, Rob, on how we can convert the numbers? And whether or not 10 positions make sense. This might be part of the red herring. (laughs) But I do see zero on the dashboard. (laughs) Well, that's just how fast she's going. um, Maybe it's like when you hold your hands at 10 and 2, she's just going to sit in the car and go like, 8, 6, 0, 6. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 10 and 2 was like Uh, a big driver's ed. Yeah, yeah. I think we got to push on to the PDF. Oh, Taylor, how about you read the first hunk and I'll read the second on that first page. 7.13, listen to the way that NPR reports Donald Trump's comments about immigration with this mellifluous sound in their voices, the sweet mellifluous sound in their voice, but not biased. No, not biased. Jump in there, Rob. Nobody wants to hear me read that much in a row. <laughs> the second paragraph under 713, which I assume is a date. Yes. That would be July 13th. Mm-hmm. The amazing bodyguard that Barack Obama had throughout his presidency was that any attack on him was considered racist. Indeed. The blimp of Donald Trump in diapers reminds me of those bunny ears, pink bunny ears that women wore. It's a kind of onanism, and I'm not going to explain what that word means. Let's just say that it begins with M, and it's a kind of self-pleasuring. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. Um, the fourth paragraph it is says, 
Oh, my name is Pat Boone. And along with my <laughs> wife, Shirley, we want to talk to you about all the aches and pains that come with being older. The following program is rated PC for politically correct. It is a Larry Eldridge show. Uh, or it is the Larry Eldridge show. Okay, you get any... Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm feeling... I, I in my head I'm feeling the radio dial. <laughs> oh, nice! Yes, that is what you are feeling. Well done. Eight, it's eight sixty a.m. Yes. Oh, a.m. radio. Nigel, you you just happened to drop into one of Rob's favorite things. Oh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm a sucker for like old dead weird media and like I'm 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 secretly <laughs> a seventy four year old person on the inside. <laughs> where i like really a 74 year old like um never married retiree who lives in like rural nevada (laughs) because i'm I'm obsessed with am radio shortwave radio and nuclear history (laughs) rub did a whole project about um gay truckers on cb radio yeah it's fascinating (laughs) subcultures yeah yes 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 yeah. So, okay. So, okay. So we have multiple. So we we have a structure that we think is probably pretty close to being right. Yes. And then we have different dates. So we have seven thirteen, seven fourteen. Taylor, should we skim down the PDF a little bit and maybe? So in one case, my name is Pat Boone, and along with my wife Shirley and so forth. So there, the writer is adopting, um, you know, writing from the perspective, I assume, of a guest or something on the show. But then in another case. It's the writer describing a person not as themselves who is being interviewed on the show potentially. So I'm still trying to link it back in my head to like how they get like clearly they're originating from the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what the stylistic choice is, not to confuse that term <laughs> with the challenge, but why we can bounce back and forth between different perspectives. Rob, do you have any thoughts on that? Hmm. Do you mean in between the paragraphs? Well, I mean, the, the change that I noted was just, um, oh, yeah, if, if you're referring to each, I mean, in some cases, the paragraph is just or a sentence. single line, Sorry. but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the hunks. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm, that's a good question. I, the My Name is Pat Boone line, I interpreted it as an, as an advertisement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, I, can I affirm or do you? Sure, yeah, please, do your please, thing, yeah. man. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, please. yes, yes. You're right. That's an advertisement. Yes. And and then, so yeah, there does seem to be some. Um, so if I tuned into eight sixty, these four or five paragraphs we just read would not make sense back to back, and so there's some gaps yes. in time, perhaps between these. Yep. And I'm not. I'm not sure what's how that's created but i like, I like the, that it exists yeah. i like the idea that she's just sitting in her car in a completely mm-hmm. barren parking lot listening mm-hmm. to it's a, it sort of adds to the the ennui of the uh, the proceedings <laughs> 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 like it's all true and it's all devastating <laughs> yeah it's yeah. all horrible stuff in there except the pat boone yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, wow so the whole the project is really about the 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 idea. I mean, the the writing is the the evidence of what I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what I wanted to do was, you know, I drive a lot. Um, I, I drive to San Quentin almost every day, which is 40 minutes to an hour each way. And so I always listen to wonderful podcasts or I listen to NPR. I listen to something that's very uh, to my liking. Mm-hmm. So for this project, I decided to switch over to AM and then just randomly pull out numbers. And that would give me the AM station I had to listen to. And whatever it was, I couldn't turn it off when I was in the car and I couldn't change stations for 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> and what I got was a crazy, ranting, conservative AM station. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of it is just as I was driving. Um what what sentences stood out to me um, and what I could record with my phone is what I kept track of. And then if I had been doing this as another project, I would have handwritten them, but I didn't have time to do it. So I just had to type them out. So it's a it's a mapping of, of what stayed with me through mm-hmm. their news over a 10 day period. Nice. Yeah. And it was um, it was so kind of shocking and depressing and difficult um one because there's so many commercials <laughs> on am radio but then there's so many ranting voices and so many angry voices and then so many outrageous statements said yeah. as fact so you know with everything that's going on politically now it was it was i guess good to hear the to hear a different side but also really hard um like my my car was never a restful place to be for these 10 days yeah that's I- I enjoy that you really put some skin in the game. Uh, <laughs> where that's where that's where uh, take a look, Rob, at seven eighteen. Uh, this is really reminding me of Nigel. Are you familiar with the great uh, AOL uh, search results fiasco? Um, there was this moment in a sort of in, Rob. You probably know the details better than me, but there was this like pre Google moment when all these people's search results accidentally got released, like this mega file with millions and millions oh, yeah. of search queries. Was it AOL? Am I remembering I this remember, correctly? I, I remember the phenomenon, but I don't remember who it was. So, you know, what they contended was, oh, well, each person is just identified by this, you know, like 20-digit number, so you can never trace it back to a person. But if you look at somebody's search results over a period of time, you know, you, you can often start to figure things about out about them and then they just google their names and stuff but there'd be like these like miniature plays like um you know how do i access birth control or, or you know like uh, I, there'd be like some weird question about if i you know stay up all night will i not get pregnant and then it was like you know uh, shopping for diapers and <laughs> things like whatever but the um <laughs> so, so, so there's these sort of similar miniature plays like in 718 where it starts out with, let's just say that open marriage is never a good thing, and then you're talking about feeding a kid in Guatemala, Guatemala for $50 a day. Um, have you ever seen uh, the movie about Schmidt? Yes. Uh, it, it, Rob, are you familiar with this movie? No. Huh? So, so so Jack Nicholson is having this like first world problems, um, second, uh, you know, like uh, three-quarter life crisis or whatever, and then in his... Um, attempt to feel magnanimous he's sending money to this kid out of the country when he's just a complete wreck at relationships locally uh but so, so every so often in the movie he writes you know dearest Nduku," and <laughs> like like writes these letters to this kid who somehow like cares that he got a parking ticket or whatever yeah. uh, it's, it's just reminding me of those similar mini narratives and i'm i'm into it 
the phrases were what you remembered. Yeah, it was like while I'm listening. I mean, it was what I could like what stuck in my head, and then I mean, normally I, I would write it, but there was, I couldn't write and drive. You know what I mean? Like right, a, right. So I tried to record in my phone as a way to remember, and then I would you know just transcribed it when I got home. Um, but it was, it was, uh, originally I was going to, that was the only radio I was going to listen to in my house or wherever, but my, <laughs> like, you cannot have that on. Ouch. <laughs> the name of the station was called the answer. <laughs> That's why it's at the bottom, the answer 860. <laughs> yeah. You would hope they would just have one sentence over and over again, but apparently the answer changes. So. It does. Yeah. <laughs> for, a minute, so. for a minute to minute. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely want to do some more AM exploration for sure. Yeah, it's interesting too in this document to see the tropes that people mm. use. Like, it's so little money, we can spend it at Starbucks sometimes without thinking about it. Like, that's used every time someone's asking for $5 or less. Starbucks is the like, <laughs> you spend that much at Starbucks. Yeah. Like, true. It's true. <laughs> it's funny. Wow, that's cool. So, but, so I assume at this point you're no longer suffering through AM radio? No, I am not. I- I did actually, I did find myself the other day wondering, you know, should I check in and see what they're talking about? Um, yeah, but they got you. Like, I think I'll, I will dip in a little bit, but I'm going to try to, mm-hmm. the, the, um, <laughs> well, there's actually some, there was some good music. I'm sure like, yeah, you know, I could find some good music, but, um, the answer was tough and it was all men. I, I, I swear every time yep. I turned it on the only, um, news jockeys or whatever they are called, it was always men. Yeah. It's harsh. Should we should we move it move it on down the road? Yes. Let's check out Rubs. Yeah, Rub has been on a total video kick. So, uh, Nigel, I'm gonna load this up, and then um, when you're ready, let's hit play at the same time. Hit it. Okay, a little mm-hmm. Toyota truck. It looks like a toy truck that you could um, direct with a, a remote control. Yeah. I mean, he's doing something with screwdriver. Okay. I think indicating that he doesn't like the screwdriver he picked. Okay. He's trying something different. Okay. Oh, tiny things are coming out. Little tiny screws. Mm-hmm. Fast mo. I'm digging it. So he's oh. pulling off the top chassis, and yeah. I'm going to forward a guess that he's going to replace it with something else. Yeah. He's taking away the yellow. He's taking more out. Taking off the fog lights. Oh, he's customizing. That's he's my guess. It. Oh, wait a second. Now he's doing something with the tires. Like shaking them. Turning them around over and over and over again. Oh, okay. They're coming off. Oh, okay. All the pieces. Yeah, there's some interesting pauses I can't quite figure out. Oh, now he's taking off anything that identifies it as a particular kind of car. So maybe he's making it more generic. Yeah, is an FJ Cruiser just an invented brand, or is that Toyota? Isn't that real Toyota car? Yeah, it's, it's a model. Yeah, the model. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks kind of like a Tonka truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not taking them off. For, oh, now he's getting exact. So we kind of pulled it off, but now he's using an Exacto to make sure everything comes off. There's no trace of what was there. I keep getting nervous because he's holding the Exacto in his hand <laughs> while he's working. With the blade pointed towards the camera. <laughs> but now he's put on gloves. So he's going to yeah. use some kind of solvent. He doesn't want to hurt his skin, right? Yeah, goof off. It's classic. 
Is that this? Is that the one that smells like oranges? And he's being on top of some kind of cloth, so he doesn't want to get things dirty. It may just be a cutting board. That uh, uh, what do you call this? You can't cut through the board underneath. Self-healing cutting mat. Ooh, he's taking the yellow off. He's stripping the car. Mm-hmm. He's gonna take it to a tiny chop shop. <laughs> Whoa! Think... It's gray. Uh, the 3D printer makes its return. Uh, what? Hey, good job, Rev. You finally got it going. Yeah, I got it going. He's making little cats. <laughs> Whoa! This is getting super weird, and I love it. He made three sassy cat wheels. Yeah, Nigel, can we pause for a sec just to talk about what happened? Yes, 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 yes. So there was 3D printing, and then how would you describe these things that are going on the axles here? All of a sudden, these there were these big, big honking tires. Now they have the the proportion of a of racing bike tires, so they're yeah. very thin. Yeah, but they have cool, these cats. These black cats are the spokes with an arched back. Yeah. I, I don't think the tires were converted necessarily, but the, the step I think that we... Is, so there was a lot of stuff that was relatively slow, and then very quickly we skipped through the process of ditching the old tires and just making these like bizarro custom cat tires. Yeah. They're <laughs> elegant, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm so, I'm so excited about this. You guys are, are rocking it so hard right now. I'm uh, stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm going to hit play. Uh, and he's gluing the tires, the oh. custom tires, onto the axles. Yeah, but now yeah. that chassis, is that right? Is it called a chassis? Yeah, I think it's so. Getting, it's green. Mm-hmm. So if, oh, yeah, the truck body. Yeah. Truck body, the truck body. And the windows, I'm not sure what's happening. The windows are covered with green, too. Oh, he's painting them black. Glossy black, yeah. And it actually looks like oddly like he's using spot toner, but maybe he's not. Um. You could not see out of these windows now. Now, actually, now it's looking a little menacing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to see how those little cat tires are going to work here. Yeah. He's screwing he pimped, everything together. He it. Oh. He just added a humongous <laughs> pair of bricks to the front of the car. <laughs> like, huge. They are, uh, I don't know, what would be the proportion? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the full width of the, uh, of the truck. Uh so yeah, there's giant pink sparkly lips, <laughs> a green truck body, and then these like custom 3D printed cat wheels. <laughs> Rob, I, I I challenge you to say this is not your style. <laughs> uh, this this feels this feels plenty rubbish to me. It's partially my style for sure. <laughs> I guess you can't help it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of mixed messages. Um, mm-hmm. And the wheels are very playful. Right, mm-hmm. elegant. Um, the the green is kind of a more welcoming color than the yellow because what yellow just sort of makes you want to stand away. But the windows were all black, so you can't see in. Mm-hmm. But then there's that big pair of lips that's beckoning. So I don't I don't know what this car wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what 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 I'm seeing is that Rob experienced the joy of choose to do a thing and then don't question it and then just like just get on with it and you know go, go big or go home basically um and i'm loving it yeah i just and i i feel like and i mean we should you know describing it we should definitely do but to 
I think Rob freed himself from uh, reason and concept, which I'm really appreciating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And um, what is your relationship to the 3D printer? It comes up uh, often in your podcast. Ah, yes. Um, like an abusive relationship, yeah. Yeah, the 3D printer and I um, have had a long long arduous relationship you know and um, nigel with in your photography practice right it's like you you have a camera and you're like this camera is not doing what i want and you realize it's one small factor out of the whole number of things you could adjust in the camera like if you just like flip the switch this way or like set your f-stop one direction the other way you'd be like that's it that's what i want but you'd have no way of knowing that without just putting in the time to just becoming really familiar with how cameras work or whatever you know and the the 3d printer is very similar in that um if one thing is out of whack uh things can go kind of horribly wrong but i'm getting it getting it down (laughs) yeah Yeah, even in this case you could see the misprint on the cat's leg that he had to uh fix yeah i left that in on purpose because i did yeah yeah i I had a misprint on the cat be be honest about it are the lips 3d printer too they are, yeah. Ah. yeah. And I, I spray painted them um, glittery silver and pink. So my my work life is, I'm, I'm what people call a user-centered designer. Um, and so user-centered design, the premise of user-centered design is that the designer is not this sort of removed genius who, who crafts an amazing thing and shares it with the world and the world is in awe, right? Mm-hmm. A user-centered designer works with the who whomever the the object or product or whatever is for to help create a thing that is specifically for them right and sort of meets their needs okay okay yeah and so <clears throat> one of the challenges of being a user centered designer is that is that crossing point between maybe what is good design practice and what a, a user wants right okay. because they're not a designer and so that negotiation and that that tug of war that happens between a designer's preference and good design practice and what an end user or what a, the user wants is always the struggle. And so with this project, Not My Style, my uh, 22-month-old foster child was given a gift of, a, of, a, of the yellow toy truck that you see at the beginning. Mm. And it's a cool truck, and he really likes it. And... Um, and he sort of got it as like a gift from a from a friend of his mom, and so like it wasn't a super. He wasn't super. It wasn't like um, precious, really, in a way. But it was a truck that he liked. And but I was like, it's not really him, you know. <laughs> so so he's twenty two months old. Like he doesn't like roll bars don't mean anything to him. Like a winch on the front doesn't mean anything to him. So I was like, how do I make it? How do I work with him to make it more his his truck? Yeah. And so, so I asked him many questions about what he likes and what came about was he, he really likes cats. So I thought I would let the cats do the work instead of the engine. And so the cats are the wheels and he, he likes all modes of transportation. He really likes to ride on a bike with Jen or I, and he really likes to be in, I have a pickup truck and he really likes to ride in the truck and he really likes to ride in Jen's car. So Every time I would ask him what he wanted, he would change his tune. So I thought, well, maybe he just likes all three. So I gave it bicycle tires, uh-huh. but also kept the truck body in order to yeah, let Nigel, him be able to ex- experience both. And Nigel totally called it. Yeah, and I was so excited that <laughs> Nigel called it. And 
One yeah. of his favorite things to do is to give out kisses. Oh. And so, um, and it's really great and very endearing. And it's like a thing that I can't help but think like it will just disappear, mm-hmm. you know, as he gets older. Yeah. But for now, why not let him be able to give as many kisses as he would like? Yeah. And so I put a set of lips on the front of the truck so he could he could <clears throat> kiss things as he runs into stuff. Yeah. And then green, green, he said, was his favorite color. So I... I I had to get sort of articulate to him what this the concept of favorite is, and he still doesn't totally get it. I don't think, but green was the word that came out the most, so I, I went with green instead of yellow. Uh. So has he seen it, the creation? No, not yet. He's um he's taking a vacation um with my partner Jen, and so I I will see him next week. Um, but <clears throat> I'm meeting, I'm going out of town with them, and they they've already gone out of town, so he won't see this for another three weeks. <laughs> God, I wonder what he's going to think. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, I showed it to his um, birth mom and to Jen, and they were both very excited about it. So I think hopefully he'll like it. But, you know, th- kids move quick. Like, he may he may, yeah, you may, you may get my experience. Else. Not, uh, yes. not good. Not, not good. good. Not good, not good. <laughs> but it's nice that yeah. he just goes on to live another life. That's, yeah, that's really right. Nice. Yeah, and it made me think, though, like how many toys just aren't designed for what kids want. You know, it's like what adults think kid, yeah. kids want. Uh, uh-huh. Definitely. So wait, you, what, what did you call what you do? A, a user, an end user? <laughs> a u- user-centered designer. So you um, are always problem-solving for other people. Yeah, and sort of working with user communities or users. Yeah. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it isn't, honestly. Um, but to help them create to help them inform the design and creation of a of typically a software product like an app or a website, mm-hmm. but it could also be you know hardware as well. You must often be in the world of not my style then. Y- yes, and you know the classic problem right is like a lot of people <clears throat> just aren't haven't been thoughtful about about what they want you know, and so you have to kind of work with them to become more thoughtful about it. Yeah, um, and also people are prone to. <clears throat> kind of really just be dismissive because they just haven't experienced it that much of like what design is, you know? Yeah. Um, And so like you may have worked with them for hours on a specific feature that's really meaningful to them, but then they'll be like, can you make it green? And you're like, ah, (laughs) like (laughs) this is missing the point, you know, like, so, so it's, 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 it's hard work. Um, It's it's really fun. So if, uh, if we look to urban dictionary, a baby truck is the most badass vehicle ever handcrafted by the gods. Wow. So maybe this falls under that definition for the next 15 seconds before that term goes out of favor. (laughs) There's one thing I, I have to say that I really wanted to get done for this that I didn't is I really wanted to call the truck kissy face. And so just because I thought it would be funny to have like a monster truck named Kissy Face. Oh, yeah. And and I, w- I really wanted to like um, do like a vinyl cut, you know, thing on it. And then on the back, his favorite phrase right now is, is thank you, <laughs> which is thank you. <laughs> and I just wanted to put thank you on the back of the window because like it would be such a cool like sick burn, you know, like oh, yeah. when he takes off, it would say thank you. <laughs> I still might do it. Yeah, you should. No, there's tons. There's tons of projects we worked on in the podcast where, you know, you you kind of limp into the finish line, and then you're like, oh, yes, I still need to do yep. X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you can find photos of our finished projects over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. 
Uh, there's some really good ones <laughs> this uh, episode, so head on over there and check them out. Um, we have links in our show notes also, and we'll post cool stuff also to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. Um, we'd like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. We have sent some out recently. Uh, so, if, so if you share a episode of the podcast in any way you like, social media or whatever, um, we'll send you a sticker. Just let us know uh, at our Instagram account, opposable underscore podcast, or at our email, opposablepodcast at gmail.com. And a shout out to Wolf Mask, who designed our awesome sticker. Thank you, dear Patreon supporters. We'd like to thank Bondi Hacks, Nick Kantar, and Walter Kutundu as our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Bondi Hacks, Nick, and Walter. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon Supporter Badasses, please go to patreon.com slash thumbs to sponsor us. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. And we actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Um, Nigel, do you have any things you would like to share with our audience, such as your own website, other people's websites, tools or things that you enjoy, et cetera? Well, I would love to share um, Ear Hustle website, which, yes. which is earhustlesq.com, and that's for the podcast. And we've just started a new thing on there. Um, every season we do an episode where we ask people for questions. And we, the first two seasons we asked people to send us postcards, and I have a P.O. box that's set up. But this season we're asking people to call in. There's a number where you can leave your question. So if people Ooh. are interested – it's great. I mean, who doesn't love to hear other people's voices? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So that's on the, that you can get that on the website. Cool. Uh, or my, my, my partner, Audrey was looking around for a new book and she was going to read Dune for the first time that she's never gotten around to. And I saw it laying out and then I took it and started reading it again for the 50th time. So everybody read Dune, one of the oh. best sci-fi books ever written. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I got this week. Cool. Nigel, did you have anything else before I, well, actually, I have this one? There's a podcast that I, I that I just started listening to. There's only one episode. It's so mm. damn good, um, especially if you're interested in inanimate objects and if they have a life that we may or may not want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called um, Everything is Alive. And nice. It's Whoa. Okay, I listened, I listened to the first episode and I am just on tender hooks waiting for episode number two. But as I said, it's about the life of inanimate objects and it's insightful, funny and has pathos and will make you uncomfortable and also super caring about everything around you because you're going to think everything has a damn soul now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's very funny and um, it's, it's a Radiotopia podcast. Oh, cool. I, I think, yeah. wasn't there a Tom Robbins book? Uh, on the same topic where there's a uh, kind of like a circus performer and his whole thing is that he operates so slowly he just stands completely still but makes like one full rotation in an eight hour shift and then he practices being slow so much that he finally learns to talk to inanimate objects because they just operate on that same time frame oh my goodness. Um, so he's like friends Whoa. with a bunch of rocks and stuff I'll have to figure out which book that was <laughs> but I, I dug it when I read it yeah, we'll link to it in show notes. That's mm-hmm. cool. Wow. <clears throat> well, sorry, Nigel. What was the name of the podcast? Again? Oh, it's called Everything Is Alive. Awesome. Yes, that's cool. Like I said, there's that only seems... episode, but um, there there will be more to enjoy. That seems so hard as a concept. Oh, to, I was doubting to... it. 
I was like, uh-huh. this is going to work. And so I was, no, I'm not going to say begrudgingly, but I was like, I yeah. don't know about this thing. And, yeah. and I was just in heaven. And it's, it's, also, it's very funny. And in the first episode, the movie Jaws comes up, which I don't know about you guys. I think that's a really great movie. So I was just happy to hear Jaws oh, come yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. About inanimate objects. We're going to cool. need a bigger boat. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you check it out, let me know what you think. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really mm-hmm. cool. I have one thing, which is um, a classic, maybe, which is <clears throat> testers enamel model paint, which is a thing that I think a lot of people maybe have had in their life at some way, some way, shape, or form. It's if you've ever been a nerd kid and were like, "I'm going to make models or car models or model rockets or whatever," the paint you would see in a hobby store are these little square jars, mm-hmm. and they they say. T e s t o r apostrophe s on them. I think testers, and I've hated these paints my whole life <laughs> because every time I use them, it was just a disaster. And I I now know why. And YouTube hooked me up. Uh-huh. These paints are intentionally thick, so mm-hmm. most people when they use them, stick. They get their little brush, which they buy at the hobby store as well. <clears throat> We won't get into brush selection, which I learned a lot about. But And then they take the brush, and then they stick it in the paint, and then they take that brush with a heap wad of paint on it, yep. and then they stick it on the model, and it goes like, bleh. Yeah. <laughs> and I learned an important thing, that they should just tell you on the bottle or something. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is like a newfangled thing or, or what. But the trick is they also sell thinner and I had always just washed my brush out with this thinner or done whatever. I don't know. You know, like it comes in the little, if you buy the multi-pack of 12 colors, there's one bottle that's clear and it's the thinner. Well, (laughs) what I learned is, is that people who actually paint models successfully almost always use a little bit of thinner every time they load paint on their brush. Uh So they'll either slightly dip the brush in thinner and then in the paint or vice versa. And it seems to, matter or not matter kind of depending and when you do that it blends together as you apply the paint onto the thing mm-hmm. and it and it and it really flows really nicely and i was like oh my gosh if someone had told me this 20 years ago or however long it was like i would have actually been more successful at painting all these horrible things that i or just was just miserably doing so anyway but it's like they set you up to fail. They do. Exactly. Exactly. In the pre-internet <laughs> age, there a lot of people were, had a sort of vested interest in that kind of yeah. gate gatekeeping where it's mm-hmm. the, you just you just have to know and if you have to ask, you're not one of the anointed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's great that yep. you made you made it across the gate. I crossed the gate and I I'm I'm going to make a YouTube video just about it even though there's seven more or probably 700 more because like there should be 701. Like mm-hmm. everyone should learn this thing. So I'll get a skywriter and like have a plane do it. Anyway, that's the thing I'm into because now I, I appreciate it. I get it. They're super useful and cool. Yeah. They're pretty cheap, have lots of colors. Nice. And now I know how to use them. Yep. All right, word. Ooh, are, we, okay. are we ready for the reveal? I'm excited. We are. We are. Nadja, what's the challenge? Okay. Well, I went through a few and okay. I thought a lot about them, but then this one hit me and it seemed like, of course, uh, the perfect the perfect challenge coming from me. Ooh. Eavesdropping. 
Hey. Oh. Yeah. oh Uh, and uh yeah oh that's gonna be fun to decide if we're gonna go literal on that or not yep yep (laughs) nigel can you offer any of that uh sweet radiotopia bail money if uh we we (laughs) (laughs) definitely okay fantastic i'm there uh okay great yeah i can um i don't know what i'm gonna do but i can Certainly sink my teeth into that, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there's a lot of good stuff there. I'm I'm also just about to travel out of the country, so I'm gonna have to figure out like what that what that means to this challenge. Oh yeah. Hmm. Ooh. Good. Here, I just good, had good. an idea. I'm gonna start researching it while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Porat, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah. It's super. It's been yeah, really great. And we, Taylor and I have both been very excited that you were coming on. Um, your artwork is awesome. Your podcast is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your, pr- the process that's sort of embedded in your artwork is super awesome too. So it's just really, really great. And, and, and honestly, we thought we would never <laughs> hear back when we, when we filled out the form on the, <laughs> on the website. So. I was so excited when I read your email. I love this kind of thing. I love these kind of challenges and artists just doing something just for the heck to see where it's going to yeah. go. So no, I was, I was really excited about it. So I, I I was um, very pleased to be asked. So thank you. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nigel, please, please pass along to, uh, from both Taylor and I to Erlon, how much we, we enjoy his work on the podcast and yours as well. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I will talk about him now. Absolutely. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. And to everybody else who we don't know about, but who probably really bust their ass, (laughs) like trying to make your, you know, the work happen. So (laughs) yeah. Oh my god, oh my god, ear hustle.